Thank you, Adam. Um, great to be with you all this afternoon. It is really, really good to see you. If it's your first time here at St Thomas's, then a massive welcome to you. It is so good to have you with us. We're a relatively um, new church in the sense that St Thomas's was replanted just under two years ago, um, but it's also an ancient church. It's actually our 850th birthday this year. St Thomas's has been going for that long. And if you're joining us about now, then you're joining us on a really, really exciting part of our story and our, um, well, just the adventure that God is taking us on in this city. We're a church that loves to worship God. We love the Bible. And our vision statement is following Jesus, building community and loving Newcastle. And that is what we are all about. And we believe that God has called us here to plant lots of churches and to see this region come alive in the name of Jesus Christ. And if it is your first time here, perhaps you've moved to the city in the past week or so, then let me say that you have moved to the best city on the planet. It really is amazing. And we hope that wherever you settle um, over these next few years, if you're a student um, or if you just moved here with a family for work or whatever it might be, that you settle somewhere that's going to see your faith come alive, where you can um, really grow in your love for Jesus and see other people's lives transformed as well. So today is um, Try Church Sunday. We've been inviting lots of people to come and try church. And um, we're going to get stuck into some Bible verses today to help us explore what church looks like and what the life that Jesus calls us to live is all about. So if you have a Bible, you may want to open it at Luke chapter 8. We're going to be reading from verses 40 to 56 together. Um, if you haven't got a Bible, then you can go on your phone and just Google Luke 8, 40 to 56, and it'll just, Google will just bring up the Bible passage for you. Um, but we're going to read a fantastic, fantastic story that um, Luke tells, a real story about Jesus encountering um, a woman and a little girl and how he brings peace and healing to them. And we're going to be asking God, what does that mean for us today? So Luke chapter 8, verses 40 to 56. Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house. Because his only daughter, a girl who was 12 years old, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds were almost crushing him. And a woman was there who'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years, and no one could heal her. She came up behind Jesus and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead. Please don't bother the teacher anymore. 
Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that this girl was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anybody what had happened. Church, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, perhaps you're here at St. Thomas's today for the first time. Perhaps you've been coming just for a few weeks. Perhaps it's your 1,000th time here at St. Thomas's, or perhaps your 4,000th time. Our church warden, John Pearson, is around somewhere. John, are you around? He is, yeah. John's been worshipping at St. Thomas's since, since the 70s, so I don't know how many times you've been coming, John. But however, however many times you've been to church, whatever your story, whatever your background, whatever your worldview, you are welcome today as we explore the person of Jesus and all that Jesus is teaching us through this amazing encounter with this woman with a bleeding problem and Jairus's daughter. So do keep the Bible passage open in front of you. Um, Luke is an eyewitness account to the life of Jesus. And this interaction that Jesus has with these two vulnerable women, I think has extra resonance for us this week. If any of you have been on social media this week or have been watching the news at all, you'll know that in our society today, even in one of the most developed cities, in the most developed countries in the world, women all over the place are feeling vulnerable and are feeling like they have to go unnoticed, are feeling like they, they can't do the things that men get to do. The story of Sarah Everard and that just horrific situation that's been played out in the media is just heartbreaking, isn't it? It's absolutely appalling. And one of the things that we see in the Gospel of Luke is that Jesus has the most beautiful and healing attitude towards women. And we as a society need to learn from Jesus today. So let's have a look at these verses together and see what God is saying to us, how God is challenging us, and how God is speaking to our culture, how he's speaking to us as a church community as we sit here in Newcastle in 2021. So look back at verses 40 and 42 with me. Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his daughter, who was 12, was dying. Now what I want us to notice from these three verses is that Jairus, this man that we're introduced to, is a synagogue leader. Jairus would have been the highest ranking official in this town. Everybody would have known who Jairus was. He was very famous. He had a lot of money. He'd have owned a lot of land. He'd have had a big house. He was in a position of privilege. And yet that doesn't stop Jairus from coming to Jesus and basically disregarding his lofty position, disregarding his status and, and throwing himself at Jesus' feet. Jairus doesn't let pride get in the way of coming 
to Jesus. He doesn't let all of his material possessions stop him from coming to Jesus. No, he comes to Jesus, throws himself at Jesus' feet and says, Jesus, I need you. He knew that he needed Jesus, that Jesus was his only hope. Now, for those watching this scene unfold in front of them, there had been, as, as we know from the passage, there was a huge crowd watching what was happening. Grown men would never do this kind of thing in public. You know, you had to have a stiff upper lip. You had to be in control of your emotions. You would never run towards somebody and throw yourself at their feet. That would have been absolutely humiliating. And yet here in the gospel story, that's exactly what Jairus does. He throws himself at the feet of Jesus. He's absolutely desperate for Jesus to step in and make a difference. Now, if you've been coming to church for a while, I think that there's something that we can learn from this. Well, for all of us, to be honest. Notice that what Jairus really wants here, it seems to me at least, he doesn't necessarily just want Jesus' power. He doesn't just come to Jesus because Jesus is a great healer, although Jesus really is. He comes to Jesus just because he knows that being in Jesus' presence is going to make all of the difference. And church, guests and visitors, being in Jesus' presence really does make all of the difference. Somebody who's been very influential in my thinking and my life is a guy called um, John Wimber. Never met him, but he's probably shaped church history in the last hundred years as much as um, anybody else. He used to say this, we do not seek the power of God, we seek his presence. His power and everything else that we need is always found in his presence. His presence, church, is enough. When life is overwhelming, Jesus' presence, God's presence, the presence of the Holy Spirit, that's the Spirit of Jesus, that is enough. Paul, in a book later on in the New Testament, would write a letter to a church where he'd say this, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's healing where the Spirit of the Lord is. Just as there was healing where Jesus was in this gospel story. True freedom, church, can only be found through the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But we don't go after these things. We just recognise that God's presence is enough. Now, like Jairus, lots of us have situations in our life at the minute that I guess are feeling a little bit overwhelming. We've just moved to a new city. We've just settled in a new church. We've just started a new job. We don't know if we've got any friends yet on our, on our corridors or in our halls of residence. We don't feel like we've connected with anybody on our course yet. We don't know how we're going to get through um, another day of going to work when it's really, really difficult. Lots of us have situations in our life that feel crippling and overwhelming. Well, let us take a lesson from Jairus, who believed that his only hope was to be found in the person of Jesus Christ. And that is true for us as well. Our only hope is found in Jesus. 
Now, as this interaction with Jairus was happening, if you look at verses 42, second half of 42 and 43 with me, Jesus begins to travel towards Jairus' house. And on his way, the crowds almost crush him. And a woman was there who'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but nobody could heal her. So in these two verses, you've basically got Jesus travelling to Jairus' house to, to heal Jairus' daughter. The crowds are so big, such was Jesus' attraction and pull, that there's absolutely no social distancing around Jesus. Absolutely none. Not a face mask to be seen. Everyone's crushing in towards him just so that they can be near him. Such was Jesus' attraction, as I say. And there's a woman in this crowd who'd been subject to bleeding and done everything that she could to get healed and nothing had worked. Now Luke gives us a few really important biographical details about this woman that we, that we need to take notice of. So firstly, Luke tells us that this woman has been subject to bleeding. Now this is basically a polite way of Luke, who's writing the gospel, saying that this woman has had an uncontrollable menstrual flow for 12 years. Now this meant that, we sh- that she was not only sick and struggling and probably in pain, unable to have children, all of these kinds of things. She was also ceremonially and legally unclean. Now, this meant that she wasn't allowed to be touched by anybody. It meant that she couldn't go to public worship at the synagogue, at least not safely. She'd have been abused and harassed and thrown out. Um, She wasn't safe on her own, and she'd basically been been condemned to live a life on her own. Um, But she wasn't safe around crowds either because everyone would have recognised or known her as the woman with, with that problem. She'd have been called all kinds of things, and she would never, ever have felt safe. And she's been living with this for 12 years. That's the second really important biographical detail that Luke gives us. She'd been like this for 12 years. Now, imagine having a problem in your life that meant that you'd been ostracised for 12 years. Imagine no one hugging you, no one kissing you, no one praying for you, no one laying a hand on you, no one wanting to live with you and being condemned to that level of loneliness for 12 whole years. And not only that, but Luke tells us that nobody could heal her. And this means that she'd been to doctors, she'd been to physicians, she'd maybe tried witchcraft, I don't know, she'd probably tried all kinds of things. She'd just spent all of her money trying to get healed and nothing has worked, nothing has happened. And so she's completely at the end of her tether. Now the last biographical detail that Luke actually omits and it's striking when you, read, when you read the passage, is that this woman has no name. Which is weird, isn't it, when we get Jairus' name. We just get told that a woman came to Jesus. So in contrast to Jairus, whose name, as I said earlier, everybody would have known. You know, Jairus would have walked down the street and everybody would have said, there goes Jairus. Everybody would have known him. This woman, we we don't even know what her name is. No one respected her. In fact, it looks like as we read this Bible passage, doesn't it, that the whole system of society is completely set up against her. She's got no hope, nowhere to go, nowhere to turn to. She's completely alone. 
Now, for this woman, injustice has become totally normalized. It's just a normal part of her life. It's just a normal part of this culture that she's living in. It's a pervasive part of her everyday life, if you like. She's had to live with this stuff all of the time. Now, on the back of this, I just want to address some of the stuff that I mentioned earlier that's been going on in the news and has been going around social media for the past week or so. Um, I'm sure all of us are aware of the awful, horrific situation with Sarah Everard that we've, as I said earlier, seen played out in the news. Um, I've seen on social media, and some of you in the church family have come to speak to me about this over the, over the past week. Um, I've spoke, spoken to a number of you that have told me that you do not feel safe at night, just when it goes dark, in a city like Newcastle that you don't feel safe walking through the streets of one of the most developed cities in one of the most developed nations on the planet. And it's awful, isn't it? For lots of you, I'm guessing, who are sat here today, particularly you women, you feel that, that living like this has just become like a normalised part of culture. And this isn't how it's meant to be. It begins easier to resonate with this woman in the Bible passage, doesn't it? Who never felt safe. And she too, I think, deep down knew that this was not how it was meant to be. And so she gathers her up, she, she gets as close as she can to Jesus and she reaches out to him. Because she sees, I think, something in Jesus that is the ultimate end to all of this injustice and all of this abuse and all of the systemic problems that are wrong with society. Now, if you're a man here today, I think that we need to look at the example that Jesus sets in the Gospels and decide that we want our heart and our lives to reflect that of Jesus, that we want to, for women to feel safe as they should feel safe when they're in the presence of Jesus, that we should reflect our love for everybody, including those of the opposite gender, should reflect the love that Jesus has for them too. Systemic injustice, normalised injustice, is not right. And Jesus Christ will always, always challenge it. Now, I think that one of the things that Luke is doing here is that he's setting up the woman with the bleeding problem and, and Jairus in direct contrast with each other. So if you just think about it for a minute, Jairus has got a daughter who's 12 years old. This woman's had a bleeding problem for 12 years. Jairus is the ruler of the synagogue. She's not even allowed in to the synagogue. He has a name that everybody knows. She's not even given a name. He was respected by society and she was completely rejected. Now, why does Luke give us these details and, and set them up in contrast to one another? I think that this whole situation that's orchestrated by Jesus is meant to communicate to us this, that everybody, regardless of who you are, needs the gospel of Jesus Christ, that everybody needs the hope and freedom that can only come through Jesus. In other words, nobody is too messed up, nobody is too sinful, nobody is too broken to not need the presence of Jesus Christ. And at the same time, nobody is too religious, nobody is too moral, nobody is too clever, nobody is too rich to not need the presence of Jesus Christ 
as well. In other words, I need Jesus and you need Jesus as well. And all of the problems that we see, well, all of the problems that you see in my life can only be fixed by Jesus. The problems that we see in culture can ultimately only be fixed by Jesus. We all have a desperate need for Jesus Christ. Now in verses 46 and 48, the story develops a little bit. Jesus says, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. And then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, I think that's really significant, came trembling and fell at Jesus' feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Let's just work through these verses a little bit. So verse 46, somebody touched me. Now, I think that the intent of the woman here is really significant. Somebody touched me. You know, lots of people think that they're in touch with Jesus. And the key here is that the woman actually desperately wanted to be. She knew that Jesus was her only hope. And church, I just want to say this to us. You do not get the power of Jesus Christ just by sitting in church. You do not get the power of Jesus just because your granny was a Christian or because you come to church every single week. It's about whether you recognise Jesus Christ as the only Lord and Saviour and the only hope for your life, just like this woman did. Now in verse 47, the woman, as Luke says, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. And in the presence of everybody, she begins to tell Jesus why she reached out to him. Now just for a moment, I want you to put yourself in this woman's shoes. Here she is in front of a huge crowd and she's telling Jesus with everybody listening why she reached out to touch him. What, what do you think that felt like for her? Remember, she, as far as we know, we don't know how old she is, but as, as far as we know from the details that Luke gives us, we can draw these conclusions that she's never been loved. No one has ever said the words to her, I love you. She's never been touched. She's never been spoken to properly. And if she did, it was just to get abuse. She's thinking, as she, as she you know, pulls her life out in front of Jesus and everybody, I bet that what's going through her head is this. Will Jesus reject me just like everybody else has? Will Jesus reject me just like everybody else has? Does Jesus think that I'm a mess too? Does Jesus think that I'm unclean? What have I done? I bet all of these things are going through her head. Will he ever accept me? No one else has, so why should he? Now perhaps you feel like that today. Perhaps it's your first time in church or you've been coming for a while and you think, gosh, Ben, if only you knew what I'd done. If only you knew how much pain I was in. If only you knew some of the things that have been said over me and spoken over me. If only you knew, you'd know that I couldn't possibly be welcome at a place like St. Thomas's. Well, if that is you, what I want you to notice in the, in the reading today is that this woman, all of her life has been exposed in front of Jesus and in front of everybody. Her shame, her guilt, her sickness, her whole life. And this is the beauty of the gospel, and it's, 
is quite emotional. Jesus healed her anyway. The woman with no family, the woman with no life, the woman with no friends, the woman that no one wanted to speak to, the woman who believed so many lies about herself that she didn't even go into town. She saw in this encounter, in this moment, pure freedom and love, again, that can only come from Jesus. Now, there's one thing that we all need to do on the back of this. It's to stand on the truth of who God says that we are. Lots of us have had lies spoken over us. Lots of us have been told that we're worthless. Some of you may have never been told that you're loved by family, by friends, I don't know. But in the word of God today, we see that if we come to Jesus, if Jesus rescues us and saves us, that we are loved, that we're forgiven, that we're accepted, that we're adopted, that we are set free. Now, she basically becomes part of Jesus' kingdom on this day. And the way that we, um, there's a number of things that we, we can see in the text that we know that this is true. In verse 47, Luke tells us that this woman could not go unnoticed. Now, again, just think about this for a, for a moment. This woman has been unnoticed all of her life. She's been completely unnoticed all of her life. And yet, Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, notices her. Now, the, again, the same is true for me and you. You may walk around with, a, with a, what you feel like is a crippling level of low self-confidence. What I want you to see today from this is that Jesus notices you. And again, I think this is really significant in the light of the events of the past week or so. Um, again, um, all you women and girls in the church, you may feel like at certain times of the day you have to walk around and go unnoticed. You may feel that that's the only option for you to be safe at night or whatever it might be. Well, again, if that is you and you feel like that, and we can totally understand how that might be the case, see in the Bible today that Jesus notices you and he loves you. His compassion for you is bigger than anything that you could think of. It's immeasurable. Jesus notices you. Now, what's really significant in this in this encounter is that this woman is the only person in all of the Gospels that Jesus calls daughter. He's the only woman in the Gospels that Jesus calls daughter. Now again, I want us just to notice the comparison with the story of Jairus. Jesus is on his way to heal Jairus' daughter. She has a father, Jairus. She's probably called daughter all of the time. This woman has no father. If she does, he certainly abandoned her and rejected her. And yet Jesus uses this intimate term for her. Isn't that beautiful? I bet at this point she's just completely overcome with emotion. And the penny's beginning to drop. I am loved. I am accepted. There is hope for me. Now, isn't this a beautiful picture of the gospel? Tim Keller put it like this. He's an um, academic and church leader in, based in New York. We are more flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. 
and yet, at the very same time, more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. This is why it's emotional talking about this stuff, because the love of God is so much bigger than we could ever imagine. And what's true for this woman is true for you. Now we're going to finish in just a moment. We don't have time to go through the rest of the verses, but I do want to mention them briefly, just because they kind of um, finish off this passage really, really nicely. Um, Just look at um, verses 49 to 56, that whole chunk with me. Jairus' daughter, in Jesus' grace, was also healed. In fact, more than healed, she was actually raised from the dead. Now, we've imagined putting ourselves in this woman's shoes, and um, for some of us that's easier than others, as I've already said. But imagine being this little girl when she woke up. She's dead for crying out loud. There's literally nothing that she can do to save herself. No hope, just like the woman with the bleeding problem. Jesus speaks over her, and she wakes up. Now, I just think this is the most beautiful picture of of eternity, this. The first voice that this little girl heard, Jesus's. The first face that she saw, Jesus's. The first person to touch her, Jesus. What did she do to earn it, this new life that Jesus has given her? Nothing. She did absolutely nothing. The freedom that Jesus brought to her was just a free gift. It was completely unearned. It was completely undeserved. And the gift wasn't just for her. It was for Jairus as well. Now, perhaps as as I've been speaking, you don't feel like you resonate with a woman with with a bleeding problem. Perhaps you feel like you resonate with Jairus, that, that you somehow present that you've always got it together. You turn up at church every week. You say your prayers every day. But deep down, you know that you need Jesus as well. Perhaps the invitation through looking at Jairus today is that we need to throw ourselves more in the presence presence of God and say, God, you're my only hope. And risk looking silly just like Jairus did so that we might know the freedom that only Jesus Christ can bring. But what we see through this little girl is that Jesus, the life that he offers, the gift of his spirit, adoption, into family with the Father is offered to you today and it's a free gift. You don't need to do anything to earn it. You don't need to prove yourself to God. You just need to throw yourself at Jesus' feet and recognise, Jesus, there's so much wrong in my life. There's so much pain. There's so much hurt. But I know that you are the only way. Now, I would love for us to respond to this now. And we're just going to do what we often do at St. Thomas's, and that's to invite the Holy Spirit to, um, to seal in our, in our hearts this word from Luke chapter 8. And um, I'm, I just want to say that for some of us, um, some of the stuff that I've been talking about is really raw. And it really, as I've been talking, it might be that it's felt like I've been like exposing a wound or something in your life. Um, I promise you that Jesus is the way to freedom and healing.
the way that he treats these women in, this, in, in, these, in these verses in the scriptures is the way that he deals with you, with love and compassion and tenderness and mercy. But if I have said something that you need to process with somebody, maybe a member of the staff team, and please, before you leave today, either come, come and receive some prayer or just come and speak to me. I'm come and grab Ellie, my wife, who's leading worship today. We'd love to talk to you and just pray with you through some of the stuff that has been, that has been said. But for now, why don't we stand together? We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come.